welcome to Funny Books with Just Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. <laughs> this is Dr. Paul. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why Tim and Wayne would call out sick knowing that we're going to say horrible things about them on the podcast. Absolutely. But fuck those guys. Fuck we em. don't need them. You know, we'll just leave them in the dark dimension and uh, we'll just we'll, we'll just be here in the light. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, you mm -hmm. know, work working our sweet, sweet magic. Uh, you know, welcome to the special Doctor Strange edition of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Woo! And we are, and obviously, if you can't tell, we saw Doctor Strange yesterday. Uh, yeah, well, yesterday, yeah. not yesterday from when you're listening, yesterday from when we're recording. <laughs> That's right. We, we both saw it on Friday, release day. Yes. And yes. I'm surprised, Paul, that you didn't go to some special screening on Thursday to see it. Yeah, well, you know. So, Jen... You know, she 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 wanted to see it, but she had plans on Thursday. And, you know, half yeah. of me was like, well, I'll see it twice. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I didn't want to be that guy. So I waited till Friday. Wow. You really moved to a uh, much more mature level in your relationship, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I mean, there there was a time where, you know, Paul Ponte would have been screw the lady. I'm seeing me a movie. Well, and to be fair, if it was Batman or Superman, <laughs> she'd be hosed. If it was a okay, Silver so Surfer movie, she'd be hosed. Doctor so Strange, a rating can, system. There's a rating system. <laughs> Is the juice worth the squeeze? If it, <laughs> if it was a New Gods movie, you wouldn't have even invited her. I would. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> she wouldn't have even known it was existed. It existed. Right. I would have I changed the channel every time a commercial came on, just so she wouldn't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk all about Doctor Strange, but that's going to come up in a little bit. But first, we've got the news. We've got a couple of, well, no, the second piece isn't TV news, but we got a couple of, uh, you know, TV movie uh, news things to talk about, um, all in the world of geekdom, starting with yeah. Star Trek Discovery drama. Yeah, you know, uh, we reported earlier, we reported, like, we're breaking news here, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but but we had shared with y'all earlier that, uh, you know, Star Trek Discovery was supposed to be released this coming January on CBS's streaming service, CBS All Access. And then it got pushed back, which was no surprise to Paul and I, because they when we went to Mission New York back in September, mm -hmm. they still hadn't announced a cast. And, you know, we, we were fully expected that there would be a cast announcement there. And we're very surprised that they didn't have a cast announcement in September because they were supposed to start shooting like the following week up in Vancouver. Well, they still haven't announced a, a cast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently still haven't filled the, the main role. And uh, they pushed back to May. Which, you know, made me feel a lot more comfortable about that because, I mean, man, that's super rushed to, you know, drop a series, you know, so quickly. Particularly yeah. when, when you think about how much production time is involved on a Star Trek uh, uh, Star Trek show because it used to take them uh, a while to produce – I forget the, the exact number of days. But, you know, they would spend eight days shooting a, an episode of Next Generation and then several weeks doing all of the, you know, production work. So – and you – you want this stuff to look sharp, people are going to be watching it for another 50 years. So, you know, you don't want it to, to just be uh, rushed out there. Well, then, you know, a week or two ago, we heard the news that Brian Fuller, whose baby this thing has been all along, it's been his vision. 
who's the showrunner. Uh, you know, he formerly was on uh, Voyager and Deep Space Nine. So, you know, his his Star Trek cred is strong. Uh, he was stepping down as as showrunner, uh, was still going to remain as an executive producer on the show. It would still be his vision, but he wasn't going to be responsible for the day to day responsibilities of operating the show. And then we learned this week that he is off the show entirely. Um, you know, I, CBS has very graciously said, well, he had some 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 prior scheduling conflicts. You know, he's got two other things he's working on that he just he just can't make it all happen. Seems highly unlikely to me that uh, Brian Fuller, uh, that this was probably his choice. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, just from my point of view, he seems somebody who is a rabid Star Trek fan. And why wouldn't he want to stay on the show? Yeah. Uh, it, so it, it seems highly circumspect to me. I think the reason why he is off the show is that he couldn't make it happen. You know, the, the, you know when you're a showrunner, you've got to meet your deadlines. Mm -hmm. And he's already screwed up. Uh, you know, sorry to say this. He has already screwed up CBS's launch of their streaming app. You know, they were they were looking to leverage Star Trek as their flagship show. And now they're having to leverage uh, the Good Wife spinoff as their flagship streaming show, which means, uh, you know, your 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 parents and grandma are the ones who are going to be tuning in versus a more desirable age demographic. So uh, I I. I hate to see him go uh, because I think that he was our connection to Star Trek continuity, and I, I, I am less convinced that the folks who are you know at the helm now are have have his same level of commitment to Star Trek and continuity. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. You know, I, I'm, and I'm a little concerned that uh, you know. Here's the thing: I understand Nicholas Meyer has done great things for Star Trek. Yep. I, I'm not the Nicholas Meyer. Um, fanatic that many people mm -hmm. are especially having seen him in person and seeing how much of a dick he is oh no he's a huge dick isn't he <laughs> i mean i love nicholas meyer he did beautiful thing he's responsible for star trek 2 and star trek 6 love his work uh he, his sherlock holmes novels mm -hmm. are amazing i don't know if you've read seven percent solution yes but uh i mean holy shit his his writing is off the charts good but live and in person great big prick yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the the product. I mean, uh, there's a lot of drama, obviously, in, in, in getting something this big off the ground. I mean, anything um, that that has this level of uh, attention on it is going to come with a certain amount of drama. But losing the showrunner, but, but between the initial delays and the showrunner. And I got to tell you, Aaron, I think May is still too aggressive. I think we're going to see I another delay. Oh, I think we're going to have to because they still haven't completed the cast. Mm -hmm. They've told us a little bit about who the characters are going to be, right? Yeah. So, like, we know that there'll be a a Klingon captain, which some of the people in the press are interpreting as a starship, a Starfleet Klingon captain. They don't think that's the case. I think it is actually a a Klingon with which they're working. Yeah. Um, but they still haven't cast the main character, and you know, this reminds me of Voyager, where they had trouble casting the Janeway role. Um, you know, they had originally cast and I'm suddenly drawing a blank on her name, but um, I believe she's a French Canadian actress. Uh, she was young. <laughs> Stop it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you know that this is a Celine Dion free space. We do not we do not invoke she who must not be named. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it took him a while to, to get to uh, Kate Mulgrew. 
you know, to, to find that right casting. And I get it. You know, if you're going to build a series around somebody, particularly, you know, a series like Star Trek, again, that's going to be around for a while. This isn't going to be a one and done kind of thing. You want to make sure you get it right because there's a lot of money invested in a lot of people's, uh, you know, hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, before we steer away from the Star Trek news, Paul. Yes, sir. I read, I read another article this week that uh, – and refresh my memory who the guy that directed – I've got the disc right here. I can look it up myself. The, the Star Trek Beyond director. You know, uh, who did Fast that and... is uh, Justin Lin. Thank you, Justin Lin. Um, he was interviewed recently and was talking about doing a Star Trek cinematic universe where they would not just have Enterprise movies – but would spin off from other characters. So you might just have a Spock movie, you might just have a Sulu movie, uh, that you might have a movie, you know, showing the Makos, uh, a movie with Section 31, that kind of thing. Ooh. Well, and here's my thing. I, d- I would love to see that. I don't want to see it in the movies. I don't want to see it in that universe. I want to see it in the original universe. Yeah, but I but, mean, I think uh, I think it's more bankable. I, mean, I say more bankable, but Star Trek Beyond really didn't do all that right. Right. Did you pick it up on Blu-ray this week? Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sitting right here. And it's, it's, I'm going to watch it today. Yes. Uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't understand why Star Trek Beyond didn't perform as well as Into Darkness because I thought Into Darkness was a, was a weaker movie than Beyond. But I, 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 because Paramount owns the movie universe – and CBS owns the TV universe. I fear that Paramount could oversaturate uh, the market and not make such a welcome place for the TV universe. That's my fear. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, cinematic universes are kind of the hot thing right now uh, because of Marvel. So I don't know that it's going to work out. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I, I think they had lofty goals. I mean, it, it sounds like they still have lofty goals. Uh, but I mean, Beyond did not do well. And I think. And based on our experiences at Star Trek Mission New York, I'm wondering how bankable of a property this is right now. Because um, yeah. Star Trek Beyond is a quality film. Um, and I think it might have been a little bit of the fault of the advertising, uh, not to make it sound like John Carter here. Um, but I think it might have been a bit of the fault of the advertising of Star Trek Beyond uh, that that they, they turned people off, as well as maybe the timing of the release uh, in the middle of the summer. But I don't know. I don't want to make excuses because not, a, a good movie will do well regardless of the time of year in which it's released, um, just well, from word true. of mouth. I think that's it, not true. John Carter was a good movie. I mean, it. Okay, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I I I, I, I think your point. I, I will accept your point to a point. How about that? <laughs> but you know, there there are some movies that are are just so good that just never find an audience. And, and uh, you know, John Carter, I think, was one of those. Star Trek Beyond found an audience. It just didn't find a crossover audience. Okay. It didn't bring in you know uh, you know new people, which you know if you were going to if you were going to have a knock it out of the park Star Trek with all of the 50 year uh, celebration, advertising and promotion, you'd have thought that that everybody had to have known that there was a Star Trek movie at the theaters. So the issue was that the Star Trek movie at the theaters, as presented to them through advertising, didn't appeal to them. Agreed. Agreed. So because is- it certainly wasn't wasn't a lack of awareness. Agreed. Because Star Trek was everywhere this mm-hmm. summer. Oh yeah. So, but you know, uh, you know, Star Trek Beyond has its flaws, but I enjoyed it, and uh, I will be watching it today. Yeah. On Blu-ray. 
And, so. uh, you know, in further movie drama news, director Rick Famuyiwa has left the Flash movie. Um, the Walked sec- the fuck off. Yeah, the That's second what he he director. Walked. Now, the first director, Seth Graham Smith, really no big loss there. Um, but, uh, you know, Rick Famuyiwa uh, directed the movie <laughs> Dope, which I, I have not seen, but he is responsible for the casting um, of uh, the, the, the girl who plays Iris Allen. I don't recall her name off the top of my head. Oh, Kiersey Clemens. Um, he's responsible for her casting in the film. And, um, you know, it, it's obviously a bit concerning that if he's walked off, the, off of the film, the second such director to walk off due to creative differences, um, you know, what, what is going to be the state of the Flash movie? Um, will we see a yeah. delay? I honestly feel like they, that at this point, we will see a delay. Um, and well, they they'll, and they'll, and they'll shove and they'll, and they'll put Batman in there. Yeah. Because Batman wasn't originally on the schedule, and that seems to be moving along nicely. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that we will uh, that we'll see a delay in Flash, and maybe we should. What? I mean, maybe there's just not room for that property just yet, uh, with the TV series still kind of in people's minds. I tell you what, if you don't have a clear vision, don't bring it to market. Okay. You know, I mean, it, seriously, I, I would rather them not give us a Flash movie than give us a shitty Flash movie. Agreed. Because... We've got a whole shelf full of shitty DC superhero movies. So let's just make the good stuff. You know, let, you know, have a story to tell, have a clear vision. And that's the great thing about the Batman property is Ben Affleck knows the stories that he wants to tell. Mm-hmm. So let's let him do that. You know? He knows and the stories he wants to tell. He is a confident director. He has directed, yeah. you know, larger budget films. I mean, he is a guy who is capable of, of, yeah. of, of doing a good film. And I think the directors that they have gotten on some of these other films not not Zack Snyder excluded are just too new and too fresh right. um, to, no, I, to be trusted you. with a property like that so I mean, Paul, you... essentially movie by committee if you need movie by committee you can't you know you can't entrust it to uh, to small time guys like that right well and I mean that's what the that's what these cinematic universes are gonna be right I mean Marvel has proven the success of that as long as you've got the right folks on the committee yeah and DC is certainly trying to build that and you know if you are a a a director with a strong sense of independence you're not going to be able to work in that environment yeah. you know I was surprised that Kenneth Branagh was able to work in that environment because yeah. he is so, he is so indie in spirit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it surprised the shit out of me that he was able to do that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. so one more piece of movie slash media news that I want to talk about, which is uh, we had talked about the finale of Penny Dreadful a while back when the season three ended and and uh, surprised everyone that it concluded the series. You know, uh, folks were really surprised. Um, I was surprised right. that the, the series ended in, in the way it did when I felt like there was still story to tell. The dreadful ending to Penny Dreadful. Yes. Yes. Well, well as it turns out, um, Titan Comics agrees. And so Penny <laughs> Dreadful will continue in comic book form. Um, that takes place six months after the the events of the TV series, featuring the other characters. Now, that being said, I would much rather see a film's property. Um, yeah. You know, because I the characters that are left are, are some of the most interesting. But I, I will give the comic a shot. I have not read any of the uh, Penny Dreadful comics so far. I know that Tim likes them. Yeah. 
Uh, but uh, I've not read any of them, but I, I'd be willing to give that a shot. You know, I really hated the last several episodes of Penny Dreadful, and you know, we 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 have certainly uh, talked about that here. But uh, you know, I, I would like I would hope to see that maybe uh, John Logan's providing a little bit of oversight and you know, tipping his hat as to where he thought those stories were going to go. Yeah, I'm sure someone who works on the show will be providing some insight on that. I don't know the the full story. Um, but that being said, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested. And, uh, there was enough left there for me to be interested in. Um, you know, I'm curious how the story will, will unfold without Vanessa Ives. Um, and I think, I think unfortunately some of the, um, well, I think Eva Green is an extremely strong actress. I think some of the focus on her, uh, may have been hurtful in, in those last couple of seasons, um, at the expense of other characters. So we'll see how the series, uh, how the comic series turns out. Yeah. But well, and you don't know, she could always be a ghost. Yeah. And I was, here's the thing. If, if she does, then I'm probably out. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like if it's one of those things that they bring back the one character that died in the comics, like they do all the time in those Buffy and angels, like I'm out. Um, but from a, from a TV show that is turning into a comic book to a comic book that turned into a movie this week, saw the release of Marvel studios, Dr. Strange, and before we get into the movie proper, I do want to mention that Marvel has a new um, logo thing at the beginning uh, of the movie that felt like a fucking minute and a half. Like, yeah, and I hated it. I hated it. I'm like, oh, it feels like you're. It feels like you're. Like this is just showing off your ego. Oh no, they're showing their dick. I mean, yeah. it's like, look, look at my huge penis. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's know? exactly how it felt like. Like, look yeah. at all this shit that we do with this epic music. And it was like a minute and a half long. Like, it was the beginning of a TV show. I'm like, no one, get, just put Marvel. Just splash up the word Marvel and move along. I have always liked the Marvel logo where they did the uh, the page flips, you know, and you saw all the different graphics uh, go by and they would sometimes bake in. Uh, comics from the property that they're about to show you, you know? Yeah. I, I always thought that was a, I, I really did feel like that was a great logo. Agreed. Agreed. And it always kind of jazzed me. This thing where they cropped in, you know, uh, scenes from previous movies, you know, and, 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 you know, it's not just the print, it's the, the film as well. I just really hated it. I hated it a lot. I, the whole time when that was up and it seemed like a really long time, I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's ego. I mean, that's all that is, is ego. I mean, I, exactly. And it, and it showed, and it felt like it. You know, there, yeah. there was nothing, um, there was nothing there that felt necessary. Yeah. Um, and so I, I got to be honest that, that I, it, it rubbed me wrong. It felt like taking a victory lap, um, which, you know, you're allowed but not at the but if I got to see that fucking thing at the beginning of every movie, it's just gonna feel like, like you said, a big dick swing. Um, so just, I, just I, I just want to say that 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 it has nothing to do with, or you know, it doesn't take away <laughs> um, from my opinion of the movie. It's just one of those things that uh, that struck me uh, struck me as too much. Yeah, I agree, completely agree. It, it really put me off. No but- other movie studio does that just putting that out there marvel it's not (laughs) no other movie studio goes that long even fucking disney (laughs) but anyway i'm sorry but the movie aaron yeah so i went and saw it yesterday took the afternoon off so i could beat the crowd and uh i took my wife and uh she loved it quite a bit uh she really enjoyed the film um i will preface all of my remarks by saying that i liked the film 
It is by uh, no stretch of the imagination my favorite or even in my top uh, Marvel films. Uh, but I did enjoy it. And there are same things that I very much appreciated about it. Um, for instance, I loved that they incorporated the Steve Ditko designs uh, for the Dark Dominion. Uh, I, I just I, I, I really appreciated that. I like when they can incorporate the original designs into the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was great. I mean, I knew that they were going to use the design of the Sanctum Sanctorum. You know, because we'd seen that in the previews, but to see essentially a real life version of uh, Dormammu's domain mm-hmm. uh, was pretty stinking cool. My, in fact, my only complaint about that is that we didn't get to see a mindless one. I really went in there going, "Man, I need to see a mindless one." I, you know, I this would be so awesome if we got to see a mindless one, and uh, we didn't get to see that. So maybe in the next Doctor Strange movie. So before we go too far into this, I do want to say that we are likely to spoil things. Yes. So you would probably do well to skip ahead about 10, 15 minutes if you don't want to hear any spoilers. Um, just because uh, I want to be able to talk about this film by, you know, and and, and obviously uh, I just I want to be able to talk about it with being able to spoil it. And it's not like there's anything so freaking shocking in the film that we're going to yeah. ruin if it. You've, if you've read uh, the Doctor Strange origin in the comics you know what's going to happen in this in this movie. Or if you saw uh, that Doctor Strange uh, Marvel animated film, it's essentially the same thing. Um, <laughs> did yeah. you? I mean, it is essentially the same story, just about forty five minutes longer. Right um, now, I do want to say one th- the one thing you mentioned Dormammu and the Dark Dimension. I, I enjoyed a lot of the Easter eggs. I enjoyed um, the reference to the Living Tribunal. Uh huh. Um, I did you, did you notice the Wand of Watum? The Wand of Watum. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, the the uh, brother Voodoo's uh, brother in or uh-huh. Doctor Voodoo's brother, I guess I should say. No, brother Voodoo. Uh, yeah. You know, Drum. I don't remember his first name. Mm-hmm. Um, is is in the Sanctum Santorum when we first see uh, the New York Sanctum Santorum. He's the guardian there. Um, right. And uh, so you know, perhaps setting up for some brother Voodoo in a future film. Um, God, I would be so down for that. Oh my God, so much. <laughs> um, I mean, there there are quite a number of things in the film, uh, quite a number of Easter eggs in the film. And, and, and well, it's funny, you know, because there's a scene where Doctor Strange is walking through the sanctum. Uh-huh. And there's almost no Easter eggs in that sequence. Right, but, which is amazing. I mean, I'm, you're looking for it, right? Yeah, the entire time my eyes are darting across the screen looking for uh, Easter eggs, and there's none. Um so Doctor Strange, let's rewind a little bit. Doctor Strange, directed by Scott Derrickson, whose previous film credits include Deliver Us from Evil and Sinister. Um, both I've seen either of them, by the way. Yeah, uh, they're both pretty medi- mediocre. Um, wow. Sinister, uh, you know, uh, is uh, uh, both horror films, and um, so you know, it's one of those things that we talked about: unproven directors uh, directing a, fi- a, l- a large-scale film. I do think that he competently directed this film. Um, I think that visually. Uh, this is visually one of the most amazing, probably the most amazing Marvel film I've seen in that I've, there are things that were done in this film that I've not seen in any other film before. Um, like Matrix plus Inception times 10 um, type stuff. Um, at least it, that that's my opinion. I, I, I mean, I saw it in IMAX 3D and I mean, there it was just mind blowing some of the visuals in this film. I, you know, I saw it in standard. I didn't see it in 3D. I'm glad I didn't see it in 3D. I, you know, I, I wear glasses and I have to wear the 3D glasses over my glasses. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been a bit much for me. But uh, what 
I, I think you're right. I, I think that the that the uh, design of the film, the shooting was great. Uh, I just having seen those effects in Inception, mm-hmm. I it, it just feels like we're retreading somebody else's special effects. And it it seemed like the film leaned too heavy on something that Inception already wowed me with. And so while it was interesting on the screen, it didn't have the pop that Inception had. True. Because you remember when you saw that in Inception, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, now we know we can do that. And so you don't have that holy shit factor anymore. True. Now, I will say it's a lot more impressive in IMAX 3D and an, over an hour worth of footage from the film is specially formatted for IMAX right. 3D. So um, if you do see it, I do recommend seeing it in that format. Um, I don't. I, I thought it was just visually stimulating. I thought the, the fight sequences were amazing. I, I mean, I really, for me, I had no problems with the film visually or for the most part acting with one exception. Um, <laughs> and and uh, my, my problems were mostly from a, sto- a story and concept standpoint. My issue with, you know, I said that I... I I like the movie uh, and I don't love the movie. And my issues are largely with uh, the manner in which the story is told. Not my issue with the story, but the manner in which it's told. It's told in a very linear fashion. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie that has a lot to do with time, you know, and how we perceive time and how time is, you know, floats. And I just wish that they had been a little nonlinear in that, as opposed to starting at point A and going all the way to point C. I wish that we could have, you know, kind of started in media res with Dr. Strange and then told us how he got there, as opposed to making me spend so much time with someone who's very unlikable at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until... Told it memento I was having, style? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really I, I, I that was the that was my big issue with it is that, uh, you know, I liked it. I like Mads in the movie. See, uh, I disagree. I, well, I, I, I liked that he was there. I don't think they did enough with him. In fact, the, the thing that, that bugs me a lot about the movie is that the movie is really one long chase scene. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, know and so it, I, I, I want to just uh, enhance your point here. Mads is a fantastic actor. I love him. He had nothing to do in this movie. The villain is bad for bad sake. He has no motivation. He has no tragic backstory. He's just like, I'm bad. I'm going to be bad. I'm going to do bad things. And you just accept it because I look bad. Right. Well, you know, he he got to wear some great makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I was excited that Mads was there, but you're right. He's got very little to do. Um, And that frustrated me. Um, I think where a lot of times the special effects don't work particularly well, in my opinion, are all those running scenes. I mean, there's a whole lot of running. You know, we're going to we're chasing him or he's chasing us. Yeah. And watching uh, Mads and Benedict Cumberpatch run uh, is not particularly interesting. And so I, I had some issues with that. Again, I liked the movie. I think the movie is worth seeing. I think there are things there that, that are they're very enjoyable. The movie develops a sense of humor halfway through, and that's that's where I think the movie really starts to pop is when it finds its sense of humor. Yeah, because at the beginning of the movie, you're like, uh, there is no joy in this film, you know, uh, and and, it fi- and it's not that it was just, you know, incredibly dark. It's just I'm, I was already bored with Stephen Strange and his pity party. Right. Yeah. And uh, 
one of the things that bugs me about that, and you know, you see that in the in movies where the the world's top surgeon, you know, injures his hands or for some reason can't perform surgery anymore. And nobody ever says to him, well, you know, there are other fields of medicine you could be in. There's research. You could be a, uh, a primary care practitioner. You know, there are any number of things you can do that don't require surgery. And, yeah, surgery may be his passion, but let him let, let's at least talk about that. And that's never presented as an option to him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's for me, it's um, I, don't, I, I didn't have much of an issue with that. And I get that, you know, you're trying to make Stephen Strange unlikable. He's yeah. supposed to be. He's supposed you know, to be. I mean, he always has yeah. been. I mean, that's the story. He's an asshole. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, the way I think about this movie is it, this movie is very much informed by the Jason Aaron, Brian Michael Bendis, Doctor Strange. Um, the the more recent Doctor Strange stories, uh, you know, it, in that he there's there is more humor than we're used to getting from Doctor Strange. Right. Um, and and I, well, I enjoyed that aspect of the film, to your point. Well, and I enjoyed... Benedict Cumberbatch in this more than I've enjoyed him in previous works. Um, I, you know, I did not enjoy him as Khan in Star Trek Into Darkness. No. I liked him in this. I thought he was an he was an effective Stephen Strange. Uh, when he found his sense of humor, uh, I liked him even more. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a there is a great deal of whimsy uh, in this film about midway and through through to the end. I liked that a lot. I did not care for the relationship with him and Christine because um, they had absolutely no chemistry together. Um, but I loved the relationship he's already building with Wong. Yeah. I mean, I, that was cracking me up. That was cracking me up. Uh, I, I, Wong, I think who was played by Benedict Wong um, <laughs> is fantastic. Yes, he is. He is Wong. Yes. I mean, he, he is absolutely Wong, not yeah. visually as we're used no, to seeing Wong. But certainly yeah, not visually at all. Yeah, not visually at all, but certainly, you know, nailed it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that piece of it. And uh, Morgo, um, fantastic as well. And, you know, I, I, I didn't I haven't read a lot about uh, the movie production because, you know, I don't like to spoil uh, going in. But I was so thrilled that Mordo was in the film. Yeah. You know, and I like, you know, Mordo does what Mordo does. He's going to become a bad guy, but at least we understand his motivation now. Yeah, it's you know it's it's kind yeah. of the story that we see with uh, Hal Jordan and Sinestro, but with better actors. Uh-huh. Um, so Mordo yeah. is played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, um, who Love is from that. yeah he, he he's from Twelve Years a Slave or for for you know more of the uh, the geeky reference he was the bad guy in the Firefly movie, um, yeah. you know so he, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He is a fantastic actor and he was great yep. in this. Yeah, I you know, and uh, there is a mid credit spoiler and a post credit spoiler. Uh, I can't tell you how many people got up after the mid credit spoiler and didn't see the post credit spoiler, which is the most important. I, mean, one. I, I, I honestly, yes. I would have switched them. Um, producing the movie, I would have. I understand that they were, and so again, we've already said we're going to spoil things. I would have put the 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 lead into the new Thor movie because that's essentially what that is. It's a scene from the new Thor movie. I would have stuck that after the credits and put the the scene that actually had to do with the movie that we just yeah. saw in the middle of the credits. Um, that's what I would have done. Yeah. I, you know, uh, and again, spoilers, and I'm sorry, I called that a post-credit spoiler as a post-credit scene. Uh, I did not care for the fact that they had to make the Eye of Agamotto an Infinity Stone. 
I mean, I guess I, I understand why they did it as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not ah. a big fan of the concept of it being an Infinity Stone because what it means is that it'll be taken away from him. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I get it. They're, they're trying to do the connective thread of, of, you know, Vision has one and now Doctor Strange has one and blah, 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 blah. Um, but, you know, it's it's for me, I, I, I the Eye of Agamotto, I get it. It, it, you know, because it's, you know, it, it, I get that it's the time gem, right? The time stone. Yeah. So it makes sense in the context of the film. I just wish they had left it as a magical artifact and not. Um, Same here. You know, yeah. not, not, not an alien artifact or whatever. Um, yeah. But uh, the, the, because, it, oh, go ahead. because the eye is so closely associated to Doctor Strange, that means, like as you said, at some point in the future, he won't have it. Yep. Right. And that's what upsets me about it, because I love the Eye of Agamotto. I love that look uh, and was thrilled to see it on screen. Loved the cloak, for God's sake. Oh, God, I mean, yes. The, the cloak was, you know, the, the next major actor in the film. <laughs> I, I loved the cloak. I thought the cloak was, was a great bit of, uh, of, of, of business on the screen. I thought it was fantastic. Um, so some things that, that I, I missed, the, some things that I wish had been in the film. We never heard him say something like by the hoary hosts of Hoggoth or – Or not even you know, a reference to Hoggoth, which I was yeah. – yeah, that's like his thing. You know, at least uh, yeah. you know, we got Sweet Christmas and Luke Cage. Yeah, but we never heard uh, you know, the Crimson Bands of Cytorak, you know, those kinds of things. And it, it really disappointed me. I mean I, I, it just seems like that – you would have found a place somewhere to have that. I mean, they found room for the Wanda Blatoom for crying out loud. You know, I just I, I wish that they had uh, they had found a place to plug that in. So I do want to say something uh, in reference to these Easter eggs, right? Yeah. So Doctor Strange, we have Doctor Strange. We have Dormammu. Mm -hmm. If you're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we have Ghost Rider and the Darkhold. <laughs> you see yes. where I'm going with this. I see where you're going with this. The only thing that we are missing at this point is Morbius, and we have the Midnight Suns. And I get that Morbius. Um, so Morbius is wrapped up in in a bunch of uh, legal mumbo jumbo, I believe, right at the moment. Um, in that, uh, I think he was wrapped up in the Blade rights. Um, right. And he's wrapped up in between Blade and Spider Man movie rights somewhere. He's he's kind of mixed up in there. But they figured out Spider-Man. You can figure out Morbius and give me some Midnight Suns because I think yeah. that's it, right? That's all that's missing. Yep. So <laughs> when the uh, when the big bad opens up in the sky, yes. Did you have that moment like, well, we've seen this before? Oh, you mean the giant hole in the sky, just like every other uh -huh, fucking thing? That. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I sat there going, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, giant hole in the sky. And don't get me wrong, the way in which the story resolved with... Um, was great. Was great. You know, I I, yeah. I, I I did like that. But God damn it, another hole in the sky? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, give me a fucking break at this point. Yeah. Um, at least they did something... I mean, I say at least they did something different with it, but they didn't. Ultimately, there was something coming through the hole in the sky that was going to destroy the world. Right. Um, you know, and so, um, I, 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 I'm, I, there needs to, there has to be, there has to be something different, um, by, by which we can resolve our major blockbuster films. There just well, has you know, to be. Why does it have to be a hole in the sky? Why couldn't it be a hole in the earth? Why couldn't it be a, you know, a, all of a sudden, you know, something starts sinking and that, I mean, because the, the dark dominion seems awfully a lot like hell. Yeah. Why not have it come from beneath instead of above? 
at least that would be a little different, yeah. right? Give me something different. I mean, I just, I would, you know, I would appreciate some variation in my, uh, in my cinematic uh, universes and, and things yeah. like that. Cause it is, it is, we've seen it in Transformers. We've seen it in Ninja Turtles. We've seen it in Marvel movies. We've seen it in DC movies. We've seen it everywhere. Um, right. it, it is just a thing now. And uh, I would appreciate if they, they did something different with it. That being said, um, I do think Dr. Strange is worthy of seeing on the big screen. I think it is an enjoyable film. Um, if you are a fan of Doctor Strange, there's a lot for you. You said your wife uh, loved Doctor Strange. Jen did not. Um, oh, really? She 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 was she was middle of the road with it. But Jen is not a fan of multiverses and um, complicated <laughs> mumbo jumbo mystical things. Um, she has right. checked out of the she's checked out of the Flash because of all the alternate universe stuff. Um, and that's a show oh. that she really enjoyed in the first season and checked out in the second season once they started getting into alternate universes. So that's just not her thing. Um, well, you know, it's funny when uh, I was asking Suzanne if she wanted to go see the movie with me. Um, she's like, oh, God, what do I have to have seen to see this movie? I said, it's, it's, I said, it's just like Ant-Man. You don't have to have seen anything. You don't have to know anything is what I told her. <laughs> and she goes, are you calling me stupid? And that turned into a whole different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it is a nice entry point to someone into the cinematic universe you don't have to have had all the other experience. It's great if you do, because there's there's some references there for you. But like Ant-Man, it is a fresh way to access the the, the yeah. series. I will say even and, more so than Ant-Man, it, it's, it's self-contained. Because Ant-Man at least has the um, the Falcon appearance. Uh, yes. But, you know, this is, this is relatively self-contained, more so than any other Marvel film. But you did get that nice reference while he's driving before his accident about... Uh, Brody. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I was like, thing, ah, nice tie-in. <laughs> so there was a reference to a girl who had a chip implanted in her head to cure her schizophrenia or something like that, struck by lightning. No idea what that's no about. No idea, but it's got to be something. It feels oh, like yeah, it's it was something. Oh, yeah, it's far too specific. Yeah. It's far too specific. And, and far yeah. too unusual. It feels like yeah. it's something, but I don't know what. Um, well, maybe it's, a, maybe it's an upcoming movie. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So Doctor Strange, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Um, I, I recommend you see it on the big screen. I agree. I, I think I think that it is a a pretty movie to look at, despite you know my criticisms. I think it's an entertaining movie. Uh, I'll own it on Blu-ray. It's just not my favorite Marvel film. Yeah. Now I will say one thing. Um, so we we mentioned that Thor is in one of the post-credit sequences or the mid-credit sequence, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that scene was un- a- unnecessary. Um, I feel like that it felt like it was plucked from the Thor movie, which is fine. Um, but I feel like it didn't fit here. Um, it shows a far more competent Doctor Strange than we end the film with. It feels yeah. like he's much further in his career. Um, and it feels it feels like it was a scene from the Thor movie that they threw in here to set up for Thor. Where I, whereas I feel like I would rather be surprised seeing Doctor Strange pop up in the Thor movie. Now I know it's going to happen. Well, here's my problem. Okay, so they they firmly plant Doctor Strange's origin story after Civil War, right? Captain America references Doctor Strange in Civil War. He references Stephen Strange, not Doctor Strange. Right, right. But in terms of but in terms of crazy weird stuff. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he doesn't talk about him in terms of hey, we need to get that great surgeon in here. He references him as if he is a master of the mystic arts. Hmm. So, yeah, so I mean, there's definitely some timing 
things off there, especially since we, we get that this is at the end of Civil War and that's at the beginning of the film before he supposedly spends time in, uh, I don't remember that, Ma, Ma, Majorana or whatever the, the hell. Are you ta- you're talking about the uh, special place that he went to to meet the ancient one? Yes. Uh, I, I got the impression he spent a, a quite a long time there um, right. learning the mystic arts. It didn't happen in a couple of weeks. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think there there there's some continuity issues there. But regardless, I mean, it was it didn't take away from my enjoyment too much. Yeah. And we didn't get it like a Rocky three style training montage, you know, which was a little disappointing. Yeah. But we got some decent <laughs> training stuff. I mean, we, the, the training sequences were, were fun. <laughs> So, well, I just wanted, you know, one of those like karate kid, you know, you're the best around, you know. <laughs> so let's t- so I do want to mention something in, in since we're talking about music, right? Uh-huh. The score of this film I did not care for. Yeah, I noticed that it was uh, Michael Giacchino, who's the same guy who does the Star Trek, the current Star Trek uh, soundtracks. Yeah. He does a lot of J.J. Abrams stuff. But it felt uh, a bit too Trans-Siberian Orchestra to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would agree. I, I like, would agree. It did not have a good sound to it. No, not at all. So, uh, you know, that, it's not a soundtrack I'll be picking up. Yeah, you know, it's it's something I'd like to sample because sometimes the special effects sounds overwhelm the soundtrack on the screen. So, you know, may, there might be some gems there. But, yeah, there was not a theme that I was picking up. This, Ooh, yeah, that's nice. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of the – a lot of these Marvel movies don't have uh, – uh, what I would call fantastic soundtracks. They're, most of them are rather forgettable. Fair point, fair point. So we, we mentioned that Thor is at the end of the film, and yes. that that is a good leeway into this week's well, release. And has he, has he, is he at the end of the film, Paul, because he is perhaps, I don't know, unworthy? He seems a bit unworthy. He's wearing a hoodie. <laughs> Uh, um, which is the mark of unworthiness right yeah i mean i'm wearing a hoodie right now and we know i'm unworthy oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) so so uh, the unworthy thor number one came out this week this is my face my first uh major marvel book since secret war so what Uh, what inspired you to purchase this i want to ask well i like jason aaron Mm -hmm. i like jason aaron's work on thor though i i I don't have the issues that Tim has about Lady Thor. Uh, and I know that's not her appropriate name. She's just the mighty Thor. Yeah. But I, I need to make the distinction that I'm talking about the the, the woman who is known as Thor. Uh, I don't have the issues Tim has about that character. Um, but I've never connected with it. I've read the first volume of that, and it just doesn't it doesn't wow me. Um, and I love Olivia Copiel yes. on Thor. And so and I've I liked this storyline. You know, I liked where, you know, Thor lost his arm, Thor lost his hammer, you know, Thor is, you know, for the first time has is, is noted as unworthy for whatever reason. Um, Which I got to so, say, can I, can I just reference something? Can I just mention something real quick here? Sure. Yeah. How the fuck have they not in, in how many years now? Revealed uh, what was said to, since original sin yeah. revealed what has what was said to make him make him unworthy. Do they just not know? <laughs> I so mean, the, give me a break. In in the big crossover event from several years ago, original sin written by Jason Aaron. No, Matt Fraction. Um, is it Matt Fraction? I'm sorry. Oh no, uh, uh, you you could be right. Original sin. It was. Uh, I'm thinking fear itself. Okay, um, but uh, you know, the Watcher comes over and whispers a little something to Thor while he's on the moon and he drops his hammer and can't pick it up. And so he has to leave his hammer on the moon because whatever the watcher told Thor made him unworthy. 
And so I, you know, I've not been reading Marvel books since Secret War, and I just assumed that the secret at least had been revealed. So I was stunned when I read this issue and found out we still don't know. We still don't know. Um, and I was like, on the one hand, I was like, wow, that's crazy that they've, they've held on to that for so long. But on the other hand, I like the fact that I'm able to pick this up with really not having missed anything. <laughs> you know what point. I'm saying? You've been out of Marvel uh, for two years and uh, you haven't missed yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I dug it. Um, I'm sure that this will all roll into some kind of crossover event at some point to do the big reveal, which will piss me off. But uh, you know, I like that I was able to come into this and really haven't missed much of anything. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as your first Marvel book in a couple of years, what did you think of the unworthy Thor number one, where, where Thor travels by goat power? I love it. <laughs> I love it when Thor's got his goats. I mean, that's that's so that's such a big send up to to the, you know, actual Thor myth. Yeah. You know, because he, he does have his goat chariot. Um, I, I love that Thor is as defensive about his goat as Wayne or I might be about his dog. Yeah. You know, and I mean, he threatens a guy. So help me God, if you messed with my goat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in the original Norse myth, Thor could eat his goats every day and the following day the goats would be back. Ah. So, you know, the goats were also a, a source of sustenance. But uh, I, I I love, you know, at the end of Secret War, we know that Ultimate Thor's hammer had made it over into our universe. Yeah. And again, I just figured this was something that had been resolved already. <laughs> uh, but this Thor, the unworthy Thor, is on a hunt for that hammer because he'd like to have a hammer. Right now he's romping around with a battle axe. That's really not his shtick. Um, but it is, you it know is, what I'm it, not... is uh, it is a, um, it is not just a battle axe. Um, it is um, a Norse weapon. It, it's, I don't right, remember the yeah. name of it off the top of my head, but it is, it is something. Yeah. He just, it's just not his, his thing. You know, it's, it, it's, it, it's not his mojo. Uh, he, he wants a hammer, you know, uh, and uh, one of the things I am not clear on, and I, I even when because uh, I'd seen it in some of the books that I had read previously, where he's got this uru arm. Yes, you know this artificial uru arm, which is the same material that his hammer is made from. Where did that come from? Where did he get the arm? I think that happened. Um, it's it's happened post Secret Wars, but I don't remember when. Okay. Um, I, I, I just, I'm unfamiliar with that, but, uh, I dug this book. I also, you know, super excited. Last page appearance of Beta Ray Bill. In an, uh, I mean, quite frankly, the appearance of Beta Ray Bill is only two pages and it's uh, awesome. I love how he shows up and he, you know, he, he is, it's so spoilers. I mean, he says, you really don't have your hammer? And Thor goes, yeah. <laughs> and, and Beta Ray Bill goes, take mine. Like, yeah. I mean, like, like it's nothing like here, like he knows that Thor um, is, is worthy of the hammer. And that, I thought that was an awesome sequence. Yeah, it's a nice scene. He's not going to be able to pick that hammer up, though. No, because uh, Odin put the same uh, spell on it that he put on Mjolnir, which is you got to be worthy to pick that mother up. And oh, you remember Beta Ray Bill was honor was honorable enough and worthy enough to pick up Mjolnir. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Thor is not going to be able to even even if he wants to take Beta Ray Bill's hammer, uh, which you would hope that he wouldn't, um, he uh, he won't be able to pick that thing up. In fact, the whole reason that, that the ultimate universe hammer would work for him is that 
it doesn't have that. There's not that same level of quote worthiness over there that there is here. Yeah. You know, so I, 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 I love the scene. I love seeing Beta Ray Bill and any opportunity to, to have Olivier Copiel drawing Beta Ray Bill is a good opportunity. So, yeah, I was all about. It. So I, I enjoyed the book. I love this book. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I'm, I'm in. And I just God damn it. Yeah. The only the bad thing about Olivier Copiel and any of these superstar artists really is, is he going to be able to deliver on time? Yeah, he'll be so. on for the first three issues, I'm sure. I mean, that's not announced. That's just a guess. Um, yeah. What I will say is I hope that they put a sail on the lady. Sorry, the the, 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 <laughs> the current female Thor, um, uh-huh. you know, Jane Thor, I guess I should call her. Um, because the it, woman known as Thor. <laughs> the, because it is a damn good book with amazing art by Russell Dodderman. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really do recommend picking that up. I, I understand that we're you know, relatively out on a number of Marvel books, but I, I think it's a great book. And so I do recommend picking that book up and it's a good compliment to this one. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, it just didn't jazz me, but I'd be willing to, to read the rest of that series. Yeah. You know, cause I, again, I don't have the, the objections to it that Tim does, but uh, you know, I, I just, it just didn't grab me and it was just easy enough to say, eh, I'm out on everything Marvel. Yeah. So, and I, I don't, has it, been, it's not been two years since the end of secret wars. Yeah. Has it? Has it really? I believe so. Yeah. You keep saying two years. It can't possibly have been that long. I'm, I'm sh- I mean, I think I it, think that you're living in comic time, Paul. I think it's been more like a year. Oh, well, you could be right. Yeah. January. <laughs> not even. Jan- it ended January 2016. Um, That's what I thought. It feels okay. like two years because, uh, it, you know, it's it, it feels like it's been a while since I've read Marvel. It, we we live in comic. We live in comic book time. Very true. Very true. <laughs> so, um. A book that Paul and I were extraordinarily excited about came out this week. Mm-hmm. You know, we we loved the initial uh, foray into Flash Gordon with Jeff Parker and uh, uh, Doc Shaner. And when the creative team changed, our excitement changed along with it. And uh, Jeff Parker is back, back where he belongs, writing Flash Gordon. And, and so, uh, Paul... Flash Gordon, drawn by not Doc Shaner, but some other guy. <laughs> it's drawn by Jesse Ham. Yes. Uh, uh, what'd you think? I hated this book quite a bit, Aaron. Tell uh, me what you hated about it. Um, uh, the, the aforementioned Jesse Ham artwork. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I felt like. Uh, well, I, I I think the story is still solid. I mean, Jeff Parker um, is is a is, is a good writer. And I enjoyed his his take on the characters, and I enjoyed the the voices um, that he portrayed them with. I, um, I I hated the artwork, and there, there's a sequence where Flash Gordon is fighting um, some some terrorists, some Russian bad guys or whatever, um, and, and and it's a page sequence where horrible things are happening. Uh, he uses one as a human body shield. He breaks uh-huh. one's neck, slices another's uh-huh. neck, and slices off he his hand. He doesn't just break the guy's neck. He breaks the guy's neck over the back of a chair. Yeah. yeah uh, he pulls the guy backwards and breaks his neck across the back of the chair. These are not what you would call typically refer to as heroic moves. Stab someone <laughs> in the forehead. Um, but it's all done with w- – w- one, I feel like Doc Shaner would not have drawn that sequence in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty horrific. 
the horror, I mean, it's told in this fun-loving Jesse Ham art style, and then we get to these giant monsters on an island, and, and it just feels like there's no impact. And then you get to the alternate cover, um, the variant cover that's drawn by Mark Lamming, who, who did draw the original um, King's Quest series. That mm-hmm. shows the same sequence of them flying in a spaceship above the giant monsters, and it looks so significantly better than yeah. anything inside the book. Um, I had I had a big ar- issue with the artwork. Um, the the artwork truly turned me off to this book. So does that mean that you're out for the next issue? <sighs> I I like the story, but man, the artwork is hard to swallow. What, well, you tell My, me, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Well, the artwork doesn't bother me. Um, I don't think I don't think it was you know anything approaching the style of Doc Shaner, um, and I feel like that's what he's trying to ape is uh, Doc Shaner's style. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did the the art was not what irritated me about the book. The art the, the the thing that irritated me about the book was the whole let's get the band back together. I am so sick and tired of reading a Flash story where we've got to spend so much time getting the band back together. Yeah. Um, why can't we just start and with a reference of, hey, you know, I had sorry I had to come pull you out of your house at six o'clock in the morning, but we got this thing going on and then just get on to the thing. Right. Well, and on top of um, that, I mean, didn't the other series just end? It so, did. But <laughs> nobody was reading it. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're like uh, Ming has been gone and presumed dead. I'm like, didn't that just happen like last week? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, no, I, some, I just some wish timing that, issues there. That, yeah, I, I just wish because we waste twenty some pages getting everybody together, and you know, here's the deal: I love the Phantom, and I love the 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 girl that he's training. Um, I love seeing Mandrake. You know, Mandrake's one of my favorite characters, um, and I, you know, I, I I like the new take on on uh, Dale, right? But it's this this whole you know stitching the the quilt together in terms of getting all the characters in place. That just annoys me. And it's not the first time we've seen it in the pages of Flash Gordon. It seems like every time we have a Flash Gordon story, this is what we do. And I'm I just I'm bored with it. Yeah. And so I like the setup for the story, but I'm just a little bored with the manner in which the story was told to me. Yeah, agreed. Um, so do you think you're on for the second issue? I will probably give the second issue a try because that's where we're going to see the real action. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do. It's just... The, the, so much of the art turned me off in this issue. I will give the second issue a shot since you are. Um, yep. But guys, uh, I mean, these characters are good character. I'm, I'm, I'm referring to Dynamite. These characters are good characters. Um, and, and I appreciate that you got Jeff Parker back because you realized that losing him was a misstep. Right. But God damn it. Get Mark Lamming, get Doc Shaner, get someone of that style um, or wait till they're free. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, just like I'm saying, you know, don't give me a Flash movie just because you've got a deadline. Give me a Flash movie when you've got a vision and a story to tell. Same thing with the with the Flash Gordon comic. Don't give it to me until you have the right team. And, and don't give it to me until you, you've got a clear vision and you've got the talent to deliver it. Yeah, and, and, and between Ming the Merciless, the Phantom, not Ming the Merciless, between Mandrake the Magician, the Phantom, and Flash Gordon... I just want to put this out there. There actually are more villains than Ming the Merciless. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Ming the Merciless, I was, I was looking at, you know, studying him on the page. You know, he wears that skull cap, right? Yes. When did that go out of style? 
Because I think I think I would rock a skull cap, Paul. Are you sure it's out of style? Well, I I never see anybody wearing it. Well, maybe they're just hard I, to find. I think I think I would rock a skull cap. Bring it back. I think I would bring it back. Yeah, I think that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna right. show up to the office on Monday with a skull cap. I like it. Do it. Let me yeah. know how it goes. Will do. Will do. So, Paul, I I was stunned when I found out that Tim wasn't going to be on the show today because Tim has lived for the book that came out this week. Yes. He ha- he has he decided that he would continue living a life that would allow him to survive this long just so that he could read the book that we're about to talk about. Um, we have all been super excited uh to uh, you know about the return of the original universe Superman, mm-hmm. uh, and about the addition of his son Superboy, and now we finally get to see the first meeting between Superman's son and Batman's son Damian Wayne, and that happened in the pages of Superman number ten this week, as told by Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, and Paul. This was a perfect book. <laughs> so. Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason, if you don't recall, are the creative team who, yes, Grant Morrison created Damian Wayne. Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason are the guys who made us love Damian Wayne. Right. So the fact that yeah. they are writing Damian Wayne and writing John Kent, um, we're, we're basically getting the new Superman series plus the Batman and Robin series that we loved um, pre-New 52, pre-Flashpoint. Um, yeah, this is a this is a perfect book. We get- it is a perfect book. We get Batcow, we get Titus, we get Batcat, or Alfred the Cat, excuse me. <laughs> um, it, 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 there is absolutely nothing wrong with this book. Yeah, I, well, and uh, the, the you know, the page where Superman is exploding through the wall of the Batcave is awesome. You know, he's got the heat vision going, oh, and yeah. he's like, you know, what are you doing to my son? Yeah, I mean, just fucking awesome. I mean... Every panel of this book is great. And we get uh, Nobody um, from the Pat Gleason, uh, Robin, yep. Son of Batman run. Yep. Um, I mean, so it really ties in multiple series perfectly. Um, but even better than that uh, Superman page is the, is the page where uh, John Kent punches Damian Wayne in the gut. Oh, right in the gut. I mean, just, yeah, it was great. It was great. I, I, this, this whole, I mean... The, it, the book is drawn beautifully. It's written beautifully. It's paced beautifully. Everything about this book works. Uh, this is this is Pat Gleason and Pete Tomasi at the top of their game. And, you know, if you have been on the fence about this new Superman book, pick this one up. This is everything that's awesome about this new Superman. Um, pick it up because it is so damn good. Yeah. If I'm reading no other book, this is the book I'm reading. Yes, this is yeah, this I, is um, this is not just the perfect Superman book. It's the perfect Superboy book. It's the perfect Damian yeah. Wayne book. It is just an amazingly told story. Yeah, yeah, it's so darn good, so darn good. And Alfred the Cat dishes out some pain. <laughs> yes, <saying>. he does. <laughs> As you would imagine. Uh huh. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what no, cats well, do. I love. 
I love how when Robin is, you know, uh, bringing John up to speed on, uh, on, on, on his animals, you know, this is my bat cow and this is, uh, this is my dog, uh, you know, and, and, and he's, he's telling he's telling you, I, I rescued the, the bat cow from a butchery and, uh, you know, my dog, uh, went to apocalypse and fought alongside my father as he was bringing my corpse back. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the, you know, oh, okay, yeah, all right, uh-huh. as, as one does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great book. Highly recommend. Yes, pick it up right this now. This may be my book of the year. This it, may it, be it, my book. It's certainly a contender for it. I, uh, you know, it, it, as we, as we you know, wind the year down and we're thinking about uh, the funnies, I, I, as I look back across the year, this may be it. And I know that recency certainly plays plays a role there, and I'll have to, you know, breathe a little bit between now and January. But uh, whoo, damn good book. Yeah, damn agreed. good book. And I'm sorry that Tim's not here to extol its virtues. Because mm-hmm. I think this this may have permanently removed the rage from Tim. Yes, it, it just might. Maybe that's why he's that, not here. He's he's feeling awkward without all that rage. Well, I think that this turns him from ragey red Tim to a hope lantern. That's what I think this mm-hmm, did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Kylo so. Tim is now uh, Luke Tim Walker. <laughs> Kylo Tim. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Paul. Yes, sir. So, Paul. Yes. What's coming out next week? Um, well, you know, um, I do want to reference one main book. I mean, so new issues of books like Wonder Woman, Action Comics, uh, Superwoman, and things like that come out. But one big book that comes out next week is DC Dark Horse Volume 1, which is um, a collection of crossovers between DC and Dark Horse. And this first volume includes Superman vs. Predator, Superman vs. The Terminator, uh, Ghost Batgirl, but perhaps the biggest thing that's in this book is go- is Batman Hellboy Starman, um, which is a uh, Mike Mignola um, crossover between yeah. you know the, the Starman. That is a, a great crossover, yeah. um, and so that, that's good. That's a pretty stellar collection right there. Um, that is. It, too bad it doesn't include Batman versus Predator, but I'd imagine they're probably saving that for another volume because yeah. there were three of those. That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Did, Paul, did you get in on any of the uh, Doctor Strange sale in Comixology this week? I have not, but they're still on, so I will probably pick some up. I'm, I'm noticing they're some good doing, stuff. Uh, they're doing the $3.99 for you know, uh, their collections. And you know, my only complaint about those collections is that there are not – it's not a deeper cut into the into you know Doctor Strange. Like none of the Paul Smith stuff is there. No. And I, I love the Paul Smith stuff. Um, but they do have the the first volume of Marvel Masterworks. They've got the Dracula versus Doctor Strange. They've got a lot of good stuff out there. It's just not not all of the stuff that I'm looking for. Yeah, and the sale I, continues I did. through Monday, November seventh. So if you're listening to this before then, it does collect the first volume of Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange, um, oh. which is absolutely worth reading. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. pretty much every book here is worth reading. Uh, but yeah, no, they're all good. Yeah. Which is not to say that all Doctor Strange books are good. No, they but just all pick the books some in that ones. sale are good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Paul. All right, Well, sir. you go out and make it a great week. You too. And thank you for tuning in today to enjoy A Little Strange with Paul and I. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with A Little Strange. <laughs> Bye, guys. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. 
Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyofMadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Thank you.